And as time went on, I just realized that that relationship was never going to be okay. I was never going to be that type of person. I've never been that type of person to have a great relationship with substances. I always, you know, do too much, kind of go down a uh, dark place. So I started to make some changes and it took me a while. So years. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Rising Father podcast. I'm Chris Rodek. I am pumped to have the tired dad with me. He's got an amazing social media presence, an awesome brand, great merch. He's putting out a motivational, inspirational message for fathers out there. Um, I think he's also his, his wife also has a brand called The Tired Mom, which is awesome. And he's got a huge social media following, so go follow him. But I've been following him recently, and he's been really inspired by what, he's, um, what he has going on. So welcome. Thanks for having me, man. It was a, uh, it's cool how we kind of connected. You posted a great video with an awesome sound about the 20 years from now. And I really resonated with that. So it was kind of cool how we connected like that. Yeah, you bet. And actually, I wanted to start off with talking to you about a specific post that you had. Mm -hmm. But since you brought that up, we might as well just start there. So we'll just go with the flow. Um, and because that post was about looking back at your life 20 years from now, and kind of evaluating how you're living as a father right now. So like what specifically connected with you with that post? Well, this year I stopped drinking alcohol. So uh, completely sober. I've always had sort of substance abuse issues through my teenage years early on, starting when I was 13 years old with uh, prescription drugs and anything I could get my hands on. And it was when my daughter was born, she's almost seven now. And 2020 happened and all that. I really started to drink a lot more, probably the most I've drank since my teenage years. And I really was evaluating what type of father I wanted to be and what type of father my kids would look back on and see and it was always in the back of my mind or really in the front of my mind that alcohol was not going to favor me in that. And I tried to control the relationship as much as possible and lie to myself and hear those voices come in like, no, 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 you don't have a problem. You, mm -hmm. you know, you're fine. You got this under control. And as time went on, I just realized that that relationship was never going to be okay. I was never going to be that type of person. I've never been that type of person to have a great relationship with substances. I always, you know, do too much, kind of go down a uh, dark place. So I started to make some changes and it took me a while. So years. And then it was this year that I completely said, I'm done. I was on January 2nd of this year and I haven't touched it since. Or done anything. So that's really what resonated with me is I constantly think about how my, my kids are going to view me later. Mm -hmm. And also how valuable this time is, you know, where the, the, they are so impressionable right now. And that connection, I think is really built now mm -hmm. for later. It's really hard to kind of backpedal later mm -hmm. when they're in their teenage years or even in adulthood to kind of, okay, now let's have a great connection and a relationship. It's, it, it's going to be an uphill battle. Not that it's not possible. Yep. It's going to be an uphill battle. So it was just kind of that sense of urgency. Like, let's just, let's just uh, trim the fat. Let's, let's clear it all up and let's, let's be the best person and the best human being possible, mm -hmm. which is in turn going to make me the best parent, father, husband, everything. So it, that's really what resonated with me. Good for you. That video. Yeah. That's amazing. I know so many guys in our program and just so I talk to and in our community, because our communities are so large that are going through alcoholism and 
have this problem and want to stop and they just can't find the thing that gets them to stop. Like they want it so badly, but then the time comes to get pressured or there's a certain stimulus that some type of trigger that makes them want to drink and then they do it. They feel good for a second and then it's regret and shame immediately afterwards. What was it that pushed you over the edge that made you finally say in January, I'm done? Oh, well, I, I, I woke up really hungover on January 2nd. <laughs> that made me, well, it basically that moment was, you know, New Year's Eve is also my wife's birthday. And we had a party here and it was actually a great time. It, it was, it was mellow, good. And then January 1st, I was going to do dry January and that didn't happen on January 1st. And I woke up really hungover on January 2nd and I said, yeah, I'm done. Like th- this is proof that you can't manage this like it's just like this it, it's this pull it's a weird thing um where i know drinking is not gonna really help me mm-hmm. i mean it it does help for a very short amount of time with uh intrusive thoughts and anxiety and all that stuff and that's why i found out my reason my number one reason was I was just there was so much stuff I was holding in for mm. for decades for a mm-hmm. long time that I never dealt with and emotions and, and stuff that if anything came up is that's what was my desire to drink to kind of push it just down numb, yeah push it down numb it not deal with it so and that's what has been number one thing this year is all that stuff is coming up and mm. it's really scary and I think that's where you get that pull to drink more is when this stuff comes up and you have to face it mm-hmm. and there's nowhere to go to hide, it's, it's kind of overwhelming. And that's where it gets too much for people. But I really just took it head on. Like I said, it wasn't just that day. It was, you know, years, you know, since mm-hmm. my daughter was born, me trying to manage it. And 2020 just put me right, mm. you know, I went down, but it, it was just, it, it wasn't, I don't, I don't want to, the drinking problem, I was a very, it was very, it was, no one really knew besides my wife. Okay. You know? So you hang around people and it, it's such a accepted in society, right? Alcohol crazy accepted, which is kind of weird, which I've been thinking about a lot, how accepted it is and actually promoted. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just hanging out with friends. And of course we go out and it's, you know, no one really knows how much you're drinking personally, you know, they're just, you're just kind of enjoying it. So no one really knew how much I was drinking. They just knew how I was acting, which was pretty normal, but my intake was getting very high, obviously tolerance. So it was, it wasn't this me being a fall down drunk blackout every night. It was just not, it wasn't making me a better dad. It wasn't making me a better human. I was tired in the morning. There was definitely mornings where I didn't spend as much time as I should have with my children and and stuff like that so it's just those little things that kind of built up and that guilt and shame that i i said why am i doing this to myself you know what what is the point of this is it help is it helping that much with you know bottling up this stuff or maybe i should boom reveal you know drop the curtain and just deal with it and it's going to be scary it's going to be work obviously it's work but those first two, three months were really hard. Like it was, you know, you think, okay, you're, you're going sober. You're not hungover in the morning. It's great. It's it's like, it, it wasn't a great time. It, it's not like this. I'm sober now. Yay. You know, it was, it was kind of miserable and scary. And then you kind of get low and there's nowhere to, nothing to help, you know, boost your mood. Like there's nothing there which i was so used to for geez like 25 years almost you know i was doing that to myself and and developing as a person in my teenage years just using substances and stuff so and now i'm 38 and dealing with that now 
as a dad, as a husband, was hard, really mm-hmm. hard. And I'm going, this is too much. This is too much. And and it was just a constant battle with myself. But every single day that I won those battles, I yes. went just a little bit further. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, it was just like everything, just getting better at something. But this was internal. This mm-hmm. wasn't just as easy as working out, just work out, just do the physical stuff. That's easy. And it was more than just discipline too. There was discipline aspect, but this was an internal reflection I had to yep. really evaluate. And that kind of work I have never done in my life really to this extent. So now being like nine months now, it's been mm-hmm. pretty much, I know so much about myself that I didn't know that I didn't realize I I realized things about life and just so much. And it's made me stronger emotionally, uh, mentally, obviously. So that was, that was different. You know, I was used to just like, I, I can eat good for three months. You know, I can do this diet for three months. I can work out. I, I have this discipline. This was more, this was different than just than just discipline. This was really work. You well, you're know? digging into yourself into something that is holding you back in every area of your life. And we've all got something different for you as alcohol, for other guy it might be food, might be porn mm-hmm. for some guy, it might be drugs for another guy. It could be this severe childhood trauma. And what I've experienced for myself and guys that I work with are say you want to get in shape. You know, it's it's that's a great goal to have. And you want to lose 50 pounds and you want to get ripped and you want to get confident. That's fine. It can happen eventually, but it can happen faster and it can happen easier if you go to the root cause of why you are the way you are. It has nothing to do with your bicep curl form. It has to do with you not loving yourself. It has to do with you not thinking that you deserve to be someone who deserves to be taken care of. And mm-hmm. a lot of guys who do have alcohol problems that that I've talked to or any other type of problem, it's it feels like you're holding a beach ball down, like these internal issues that you've been trying to submerge underwater in the back of your head forever. You just hold it down forever. And it takes all your focus and energy to hold it down. You think you're doing yourself a good a favor by putting it down beneath the surface. But actually, by avoiding it constantly, you're just making a big target around it. And mm-hmm. all of your energy and focus is going towards keeping that thing away. And as soon as you reveal it, and as soon as you let it out into the world, um, it's magical. You feel like you're free. You feel mm-hmm. like you've got this 100-pound backpack that just falls off you. Yeah. So good for you for identifying that and, do, and doing that hard work mm-hmm. to be able to, to dig into yourself. Because whenever yeah. you finally do that, you, you feel lighter and a lot of other mm-hmm. areas of your life can start to finally take off. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really, you become sober and you reveal all these things about yourself. And then it's up to you to really change those things because you can become sober and then still be kind of a crummy person. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's not gonna just being not drinking is not gonna just make your life better like there's there's another aspect to now it's it what it does is reveal like you were saying it reveals what you've been holding in now you have to deal with that and really instead of numbing it down Mm -hmm. you have to fix it and change those aspects about you and you change as a person and then you know it's this yeah that that freedom and to know that okay, I can, I can do this life sober and I can, oh, what works for me? You know, what makes my mind, you know, when I start going to that place, what can I do to, uh, you know, give myself a rush of feeling good and kind of that dopamine, you know, which is obviously working out. Um, I do cold plunges, which I love which is just me needing to feel something extreme. Yeah, it's good this morning. I I always say, I, I've, I've said this year that I, I realize who I am. I'm going to either do extreme things that are good for me or I'm going to do extreme things that are bad for me. Mm-hmm. So I have to 
go on hikes. I have to work out. I have to do cold punches. I have to do breath work. I have to drink 24 things of sparkling water a day. Like I, I drink tea at night. You know, I have to have these routines. Um, it's just who I am. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've, I've realized about myself is I don't like boredom. I don't like that stillness. I'm working yeah. on it to, because I think there should be an aspect to me that should be okay with being still. But right now, I, it's still early on in my new journey that I need to, I, I'm still battling. It's going to be a battle. And I, and I know that about myself and I know what's working and what's, what's not, you know? And you're allowed to be different. Like mm-hmm. thinking that you have to be, or should you have to accept stillness. I'm the exact same way. I talked about this in our, on our group call two days ago. I had, I don't know, I, I, we time block in our, every 30 minutes. We time block, we schedule. I have a pretty packed day. And the other day I'm in a golf league. And I golfed one time this entire year. There's been times in my past where I've golfed like 99 times in the summer because I was a teacher. Mm-hmm. Can't do that anymore. But yeah. I, I golfed one time uh, this entire year. And then my best friend, who's the best man at my wedding, he's like, hey, man, do you want to go on this golf outing with me? I was like, okay. Because I just feel like I need to invest in that relationship. So I went on the golf outing. And it was so hard for me to, to relax and not be on my phone working at my business mm-hmm. or working at something or making progress towards a goal and just sitting there and enjoying the beautiful weather, the friendship and just, and I, myself, I told myself, I was like, yeah, this is something you need to also work on mm-hmm. to be able to relax. But at the mm-hmm. same time, you know, having our routines do make us like, that is who we are. If we have these non-negotiable things that we do every single day, like working out, doing cold plunges, I do both of those, love them. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a sauna in my backyard. I love going in a sauna. Like all these mm-hmm. morning routines and evening routines, things that we do every single day do define us. Like it's exactly mm-hmm. who we are as a person. And you, you, sometimes if I feel for whatever reason, I buy the bullshit in my head that I, you know, you don't need to wake up and go to the gym. You feel mm-hmm. like a different person. Like whenever mm-hmm. you don't do these routines that define you, you mm-hmm. feel so differently. Like it's like mm-hmm. your identity is, is not the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've really been doing a great morning routine. For me, it's I, I wake up an hour before my family does. I, I get the sunrise. I love watching the sunrise and having my cup of coffee when I do that. Um, I drink I drink water right when I wake up, get my coffee, look at the sunrise, or sometimes it's not up yet, mm-hmm. and I'll do this 10-minute breath work this morning breath work. It's, it's kind of like Wim Hof, but a little different. Um, I just look at YouTube yep. and find people do these morning breath work. And that just, it, it, it that breath work just makes me feel real good. It like, it wakes me up and makes me feel real positive for the day. And then I read, um, I read something for about 10 minutes and then I just kind of reflect on what I want to do today, what type of person I want to be, what type of dad I want to be, um, something in work that I want to get done, something that's bothering me, why is it bothering me, and kind of just do that morning reflection. And it is amazing when my family wakes up and my kids wake up, the, the type of mood I'm in. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I'm addicted to that now. And if I don't do it, I'm not the same person. So now I have to do it. So when that alarm goes off and I don't want to wake up, I go, what type of day do you like, you know, what type of day you're going to have if you hit snooze and sleep yep. for another hour, you know, it's going to be a, you're going to be a little more impatient with your children because you're just waking up and all this stuff. So it is such a necessity and it's seven days a week. I'm not just like, Oh, I'll sleep in on the weekends. I need to do that every day because it's amazing how I feel and it's gonna help me deal with those things that come up in life, you know, those, those bad moments, or uh, you get an email, or, you know, this bill comes in, or, or just some problems, you know, in life, how will you respond to that? Is it going to be too stressful to deal with? Or are you going to be able to go, this isn't that big of a deal? You know, I, I doing that morning gratitude and all that is just, 
it's just different. I mean, you know what I'm saying, but it, it's just different. It's your whole day is different. And it's literally just an hour. Like, and it changes the next 24. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I mean, I used to not do that. It's for me, it's mm -hmm. fairly recent. We get up, mm -hmm. I get I get up at 345. And I go but I do my whole workout in the morning. So and my wife goes to CrossFit at 515. So I have to get mm -hmm. back by the time she leaves. Like that's early. Yeah, so I do 345. <laughs> I work out, I'm back by 515. And then I do other parts of my routine. Like I have a cold plunge in my backyard. Mm -hmm. um, not as nice as yours. I think you've got a nice one. I just have a metal tub. Um, so I do that. And then I've got a little hot tub next to that. I kind of sit in there and, and I do my some gratitude stuff. And I go back and forth. Mm -hmm. Then I'll, same thing, I do some meditation, but I'll go on YouTube to find a little five, 10 minute meditation. And then I yeah. have a journaling prompt. But you feel so, like you're saying, you feel so good after you do that. And you feel so yeah. bad when you don't do it. Mm -hmm. And it is amazing. I think I posted in my stories this morning. It's crazy how, we're, how the universe works. And we're talking about this because this morning I posted... The moon was out, the stars were out, and I was just sitting in my cold plunge. I just took a video of it. I said, the morning is magic. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you're sitting, the family's asleep. I'm here in a cold plunge, already did my workout, just preparing for the day. And then, like you said, it was when they wake up, you're in such a good mood. You have so much energy. It wasn't, I didn't always do that. I didn't always, like, no. I used to wake up 30 minutes before I had to go to work, disheveled, um, pissed off about something, upset I had to go to work, and uh, just throwing stuff together. Oh, man. And you don't have to wake up as early as I do or anyone does. Like, do something mm -hmm. that works for you mm -hmm. that builds you into the person that you want to become. Yes. Yeah. It's not, not, there's not this. People like to promote there's this one way, like, this is how your morning should work if you want to be successful. This is what everybody does. And it's, it's like, okay. I mean, but, and even with getting sober, like, what has helped me may not help you. I don't know your reason why you're not sober. You know, everybody has a different story. Everybody has different issues. So you just need to find out what works for you. Now, do I suggest cold plunging and all that? Sure. But I started out with doing cold plunging at night. Um, yeah. When I got sober, because I needed something to get my mind off of happy hour, or that mm. time that I used to drink, mm. which would be at nighttime. So I replaced it. So that worked for me. And I know some people say it's, you know, better to do in the morning. I, I didn't care. I was like, this is working for me. I don't like I am sleeping better. So I don't see yeah. it affecting my sleep negatively. It worked for me. And speaking of the stars and the moon thing, I would, um, I didn't always have that cold plunge. I work with a brand called culture, which is, um, these hockey kids up in Canada. So awesome company where they have the cooler and everything and it's um also portable so that's awesome but i started with a cow trough in my backyard in december of last year i started doing it and i would just fill it up with water and i'm in nashville tennessee so it was it gets cold in the winter and just let the weather do its thing and it was so cool because some nights it would be 48 degrees and some nights it'd be 40 degrees, the water, because it's all weather dependent. Yeah. Some nights would be windy, which is awful. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, some nights would be super calm. And I remember being out there one night in the, in just this brisk air, it was probably 28 degrees out, the water's 42. And just that brisk sky and the stars. And I'm looking up and I see a satellite like just yeah. going and the stars and just the universe and just mm -hmm. not to be like super hippie or whatever, but I was just so grateful to be where I was in that moment. And I was sober and I'm like doing this crazy thing that I never thought I could do neck deep in 42 degree water in 28 yep. degrees. And I'm going, I'm doing it. I'm actually doing it. And I'm realizing all this stuff around me that I never realized before. And it was just, it was a very awesome, peaceful moment to where I said, I have to, this is what I want in my life. I want this moment, you know, and it's just, it was just two minutes, but it was, you know, it, it was kind of a you know? life-changing moment. For me. It is because I mean, you were so tempted to think that the vice and the comfort is what's going to make us feel good. 
Like mm-hmm. you eat this candy bar, that's what's going to mm-hmm. make you feel good. Like living it up is partying, sleeping in, binging on food and alcohol. And that's what's going to make you feel good. No, it's waking up early in the morning in the moonlight, putting yourself in ice water, improving to yourself that you can do something you've never thought was possible. That's mm-hmm. what's going to make you feel good. Like it's, yeah. it's real magic being out there mm-hmm. and just suffering a little bit, but proving to yourself that, man, I can do that. And when you do that, you start to think like anything's possible. Because before mm-hmm. you thought that was impossible. And then mm-hmm. every single day you do something else that just pushes your vision higher. Yeah. And and you just get that newfound confidence. And it's, yeah, it, it was amazing for sure. That's fantastic, man. Um, yeah. The the cold, I'm in Pittsburgh, so it, it also gets very cold. Oh, whoosh. <laughs> yeah, that's real cold up there. Yeah. <laughs> it's not winter yet, but this morning it was 45 um and yeah it's, it's getting month. cooler it here too yeah um but it was, it was freezing and i i had those thoughts in my head before i went i got back from the gym it was like 5 15 my wife left and i walked inside and i was like am i really gonna do this cold punch <laughs> you know like am i really gonna do it and mm-hmm. the whole ride home i was t- telling myself like no nah, no nah, you don't have to do it but yes and even as, as i put my foot in i was still like telling myself you don't have to do this you don't have to do this yeah but as soon as i got in and the water went up to my chin I was like, "Ooh, this feels so good. Thank God yeah. I decided to go all in and just do it. Yes. Because you feel powerful. You feel confident. You feel powerful. And it gives you a fire that you don't get by sleeping in and taking the easy road. No, it it's um people that know that I do the the cold and they think I'm crazy and they think I'm like super good at it. Like, oh man, your breath, you catch your breath so quickly. That's amazing. I've almost done it for a year straight. I've, I'm probably by the, by the end of December, I'm probably going to be over 250 cold plunges this year in 12 months. I'll, I'll probably be there. I still have days where I do not want to do it. After say over 150 cold plunges, there are still days I look at that water for literally 10 minutes at night or in the morning. And I'm just going, you've done enough. You don't need to do this. I don't want to do this. I'm already cold and I'm not even in the water. You know, it does not ever get easy. Now, just like working out some days, I'm stoked about it. And I get in there and I feel great. And it's just a good, and I'm in there for four minutes, you know, And it feels great, just like some workouts are like that. But there are definitely more workouts and more cold plunges that I don't want to do. And I feel that is where the magic is, is when you don't want to do it. And I'm sitting there looking at this water or I step outside in my trunks when it's 20 degrees outside and I'm going, and it's windy. I'm going, John, what are you doing? This isn't good. Like your body's telling you, this isn't good for you. Don't do it. And then you do it and you come inside and I'm like, I, I, I did it. I, that was, that's where the real progress is, you know, like, you know, working out, it's the workouts that you don't want to do are the ones that really you feel the best after. You know, it's not the, not the workouts where, I mean, it feels great to want to work out and you just killed your workout and that's a great, but those are far and few between, you know, the, the cold plunging and people are like, oh, you love the cold. I'm like, no, I don't. (laughs) I hate it as much as this first day that I did a cold plunge. I hate the cold, but I love how I feel after. Yes. And it's hard for people to, it was hard for me to understand that. And it's hard for other people to understand that as well. I remember whenever I first told myself I was going to start waking up early and going to the gym. And I went from waking up at like 6.15 to 3.45. I just, I thought before, the week before, I was thinking about it, pumping myself up to do it. And I was like, this is impossible. How do people do this? And then after I did it the first time and I was at the gym at like 4.15, it's like, oh my God, you're actually here. You can do it. Mm-hmm. Now it's routine to go, but yeah, I still every single most days would rather be sleeping than doing it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's kind of like it can be tough whenever you don't see results right away. 
to sure. keep on getting yourself to do it, like such as quitting alcohol, if you're in the midst of that struggle or trying to lose weight. And something you said is so true. It's the kind of like the muscle you are building isn't the physical muscle or whatever. The muscle you're building is getting yourself to do something that you don't want to do. Yeah. And if you can do that consecutively for a lot of times and make that muscle your strongest muscle, then man, what's what's impossible to you? Because if mm -hmm. you can get yourself to jump into a cold plunge when it's freezing outside and the wind is howling and it's hellish, even if it's mm -hmm. craziness, like if you can get yourself to do something you don't want to do over and over and over again, that is the muscle that you're making really, really strong. And then you can transfer mm -hmm. that to every single area of your life. Yeah. Yeah. I've always said it's the start that stops most people. And that goes for anything because we're it, we want because it, it gets worse before it gets better. So that first week of being sober, I didn't feel good. I didn't feel good. The if you're eating bad, that first week that you start eating good, you don't feel good. The the cold plunging is miserable the first time you do it, you know. But if you stick with it, you have to know and you have to keep reminding yourself that there it does get better and it might take some time. And and that's the hardest part is getting sober this year, I'm thinking, oh, you're just gonna start enjoying life more. And you're gonna, you know, be more patient with your kids and, and this whole new life. And you're kind of stoked on that thought, you know, that you're starting something new, that goes away. And you're stuck with the hard work. Mm -hmm. And you got to know that those hardest moments, that's what's going to get you to that place you want to be you know, and it might take months, it, it might take a year, I don't know, it depends on the person and where you're coming from. But there is this awesome, awesome light at the end of the tunnel. You know, and every time you end. push past that point that you would have quit before you make yourself a little bit stronger. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, Oh, this is too uncomfortable. This is too hard for me. I haven't suffered this much. Normally, in the yeah. past, I would just go back to sleep. But every mm -hmm. day you decide to get up and go to the gym or get in the cold mm -hmm. plunge, when you would have quit, you make mm -hmm. yourself, you kind of add armor to yourself. Because mm -hmm. if you can go, if you can make it to the gym when you're feeling like crap, then, you know, the dog was barking, your kids are screaming, and every problem with your car and life's going to hell, if you can still make it to the gym or do whatever your goal is in the worst circumstances, then you're increasing that threshold of mm -hmm. yourself not quitting. And then you mm -hmm. just become a person who doesn't quit ever because you have this history yeah. of not quitting when things get really, really hard for you. Mm -hmm. And I also think that some people have too high expectations at, at the beginning and they're not patient enough with themselves. So say you want to get sober and you, you're sober for two weeks and then you slip up and they're like, see, I can't do it. I'm done. It's like, no, that's part of the journey too. And with eating well and working out, it's not going to be, you, you know, you're not going to be great from the, from the get, you know, yeah. you, now maybe you are, but it's okay. If you're, if you slip up, it's not, you know, I've had guys tell me they, you know, were sober for a year and then slipped up and they're like, well, now I, I haven't been sober for a year. I'm starting over. I'm like, no, no, no. Think of all those sober days that yeah. you got last year. And you just slipped up one time. So in the past th 370 days, you drank once. That's the most ever that you've done, you know? So you have to, you, you can't, you can't burn yourself out. You know, you can't have these super high expectations. You got to know that you're going into something very hard and you're going to give it your all. And some days it, you might slip up. I mean, there are some days where, those voices won and I didn't do the cold plunge. And mm -hmm. I was just like, nope, I'm done. No, I'm not doing it tonight. I'm going to take a warm bath instead. And, you know, I feel like there's victory in that too. You know, it, it's, it, it's definitely, it can be a balance because you don't want to overshoot it and, and be too hard on yourself. And then that will stress you out and that will make you go down another path. So there is that, and this is all stuff I've, I've figured out and you just got to be honest with yourself. You really have to be completely honest. Why don't I want to do this? Is it because of this or this? Why do I want to drink? Why do I 
you know, whatever, and really sit down and reflect on, on why do you feel low today? Why do you feel depressed today? Why do you feel anxious today? Why is nothing making you happy today? You know, really do that internal work and you'll, you'll find out so much about yourself versus, you know, on days like that, you just, oh, I'm going to eat a bunch of food or I'm mm-hmm. going to go drink and, and I'm going to, you know, find that quick, quick dopamine or whatever, or, or even I'm going to sit on my phone for three hours and just like whatever. And then that makes everything worse. So yep. just be honest with yourself. Um, there's a good book I'm reading called the shame that binds us. And they talk about what's called a shame spiral, meaning mm-hmm. that you, you, you do something that causes shame to yourself, like drinking or whatever it is for you. And you do that to numb a certain pain. So you do that thing and feel shame. And then because you feel shame, you start to do that thing more to take it away, which mm-hmm. just continually spirals you out of control. Um, and that happens, you can take, take the alcohol, but put it to food, put it to porn, put it to drugs, whatever your mm-hmm. thing is, gambling. For some guys, some guys are addicted to work and they yeah. never they never see their kids ever. And I've talked to specific guys, very successful business owners who have to be at work because that's the only place in their life where they feel progress. And the relationship with their wife is going down the toilet, kids is going down the toilet, but they are addicted to that feeling of being at work. So they have to keep on doing it. But what you yeah. what we were you were talking about perfection and wanting to be perfect. Like the guy who said that I was not sober for one day, so I wasn't sober. And we go through this talk all the time because we have in our program, we have things like, okay, you got to hit your macros, you got to do your workouts and do all this kind of stuff. And so many people are used to 75 hard where if mm-hmm. you screw up once, you failed and you mm-hmm. have to start it again. And that gets into mm-hmm. so many guys' heads and it mm-hmm. sabotages them. Instead of thinking like, I always tell the guys, no, you're on a mountain. You are climbing a mountain. Mm-hmm. You know, you've done with us. It's not like you start back whenever you start at the beginning of the mountain. It's like, no, you've been climbing this mountain for two months. You have mm-hmm. one slip up. That means you just slipped on a pebble. And then the next day you keep on climbing the mountain. Like you don't go all the way back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. And whenever we tie our identities to this perfectionist result, we are killing ourselves. We're making a noose for ourselves to hang ourselves in because that's unrealistic. It's not possible. And you're saying, if I don't achieve this perfect result, then I'm a failure. So at the get-go, you're telling yourself that you are going to fail basically because Mm -hmm. it's impossible to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Like don't like, no, it's I'm the person who does the cold plunges. Yeah, I'm going to screw up. The person I want to be in the future is going to continue to screw up. I'm the person who goes to the gym. I'm the person who doesn't drink alcohol. And yeah, if you screw up once in a while, okay, just rebound fast. Rebound fast and continue. Because mm-hmm. if you consider yourself a failure and you get depressed and you spiral, then guess what? You're a worse husband. You're a worse father. And Or you could just say, oops, in the next second, you're back to being an awesome dude. Yep. So true. Amazing sure. stuff, man. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about like the why behind all of this, because you, mm-hmm. you went sober, you're, you're in this like awesome self-development journey right now. Um, and like the why behind it, you mentioned at the beginning was for your kids and mm-hmm. how old is your kid? Um, my daughter is almost seven and my son is almost four. Okay. All right. I've got a nine, nine-year-old boy and a seven-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, were some of the things you were worried about, like transferring to them? Like, I know obviously like not alcohol yet, or maybe in the mm-hmm. future possibly, but what were some of the, like the behaviors or things that you wanted to spare them from by, by going on this journey? I, I mean, definitely getting impatient or angry with them. Um, not, not spent or missing out on the moments as, as you know it it goes fast and their phases are so fast it is it, it literally you wake up when you wake up one day and they could be different you know or they could do something new or it's simply not say a word like they used to say and all this stuff goes fast 
And if you're not paying attention and you're not well up in your mind, you will miss it. And I think the biggest thing was I feared regret. I, I don't, you know, you we got one life. As I get older, I realize, you know, we have one life and time is moving as time is moving and there's no going back. So I don't want to look back in 20 years and have regret. So that was the biggest driving force is just, you know, not missing out and obviously building the deepest connection possible and being a great example to them. So of course there's going to be stuff that they probably will point out that I did wrong or whatever. But at the end of the day, when they get older, I want them to say, well, you were always with us and you were present and you also lived a life that's worth living. You know, like I want them to essentially be proud of me or to look at if I tell them, hey, don't do this. But they're like, well, why is your life like this? You know, Um, I want that I want to be a good example that I'm living what I'm saying, because kids don't listen. They don't listen to you. They follow or emulate what you do. So you could tell a kid, clean up your room. Why is your room so messy? And they're looking at your room like, well, your room's messy. Why are you telling me? Well, because I said so, because I'm your dad. You know, everybody's heard their parents possibly say, you're asking them a question like, well, why? And they said, because I said so, or because I'm your father, I'm, I'm your mother. And kids are asking why, because they really don't know the answer. And that's your parent. That's a, that's a uh, opportunity as the parent, a teachable moment to explain to them why, like they're asking why, and then they're asking, why aren't you doing it? You know, like a simple example, don't say bad words. Then why do you say bad words? Because I'm, because I'm an adult and I can, well, that, that to a kid that doesn't make any sense. You know, and and you take any example like that, it's you you have to show them, and you have to show them why, not just tell. You have to be that example. So parenting is hard. Parenting is very hard for everyone, and mostly for good parents, right? And if you know. In order to be the best parent possible, you it's a lot of work. And I just, I knew what I needed to do in my life and how I needed to just be top level to get through this life and be the best parent possible. It's, it's just, it, you can't half-ass it because it will show. It's wild and- how much our kids reflect what we say and what we do and mm-hmm. you know like even not not even just those things but your emotion and your tone mm-hmm. of voice and your facial expressions mm-hmm. you know, i remember the first time my son mimicked a, a phrase that i said i think mm-hmm. he was really really young probably two or three but he said it he said something sarcastically that mm-hmm. i said in the past and but i didn't say it for like two weeks before that and I was so taken off guard that he just, he not even said the words, but he said it with like the emotion and tone that I said. And he listened to me say it, but it just like bounced around his subconscious for a couple of weeks. And then he said it at the right time to my wife, mm-hmm. you know, to his mom. And I was like, oh my God, I need to never say that again. Mm-hmm. And just really, really monitor every single mm-hmm. thing I'm doing. And that comes back to like, what kind of person do I want to become? Because a lot of times you say, oh, they're going to say what you say, but yeah, but they're also going to mimic your energy. Mm-hmm. Like if you come into the room with joy, with mm-hmm. e- with energy, with passion, with light, or are you mm-hmm. depressed or are you, mm-hmm. you know, are you sad or whatever it is. And mm-hmm. this, these morning routines, how you're building yourself up and how we can take care of ourselves, that just gives you energy. It gives you passion. Mm-hmm. It gives you joy. And you know this, dads, if you are in a good mood on a car drive, going on vacation, taking your kids anywhere in a car, or just even when you come home, your whole family is in a good mood. Like mm-hmm. You control the dynamic of the entire mm-hmm. room. 
Yeah. And it's, it's not just what we say and do. It's, it's also like your, how you actually feel as a person. Yeah, absolutely. And I love talking to parents with older children and, um, and figuring out what they did right or wrong. And I had some great parenting advice. I don't, I don't like to give parenting advice or complex answers. I like simple answers, simple things that we can do. And I feel like the, you know, like we were saying before, sometimes we can go for this perfection and like, you'll never be impatient with your kids. That's just not, that's not reality. You got to give yourself some grace when it comes to parenting, but a parent of some older children who turned out amazing and they have such a great relationship. I asked like, what's some advice you can give me? And the one thing, and I loved it because it was so simple and meant so much. They said, the second, every time my kids entered a room, I would give them a huge smile. And I feel like that made a big difference just doing that. And I, I love that because it's just such a simple thing, but it's also something that we could easily not do. Right. But if we tell ourselves, I'm going to smile. Like when I pick my daughter up from school, I'm going to just arms out, smile big. And no matter what kind of day she had, at least she knows that that's constant, that her dad is going to be smiling with his arms wide open, you know? Every time she comes home, every time she wakes up in the morning, like I tell myself, and it's something so simple, but I feel over time, you do that. Think of how many times that's going to add up to thousands of times by the time Mm -hmm. they get 18, that I feel like that goes into their brain and they, they match that energy. And, uh, that's a, such a simple thing, but go, it, it could be a game changer. Yeah, we can re- replicate that in a hundred different things we do throughout the day. Because you do that mm-hmm. you know, every time you see your kid on a summer day, it might be 50 different times you, and you're just smiling. Mm-hmm. And every single time they think of you, they're going to think of this smiling, warm person mm-hmm. instead of a cold, shut down, frustrated person. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, you could you could miss it. Because if you're, if you're really thinking about yourself and you're thinking about your own problems, your own issues, you're not realizing that, yeah, your kids are just, if you just put your eyes up, like your kids are probably staring at you, like watching you and mm-hmm. wanting you at that moment. Mm-hmm. And it's also like one of the things that we do is the little words we, like how we describe our kids whenever we're talking to them, what nicknames are we giving them? Are they positive? Or are they negative? Are they building them up or tearing them down? And just the little phrases we use over and over again to our kids multiplied by thousands of times by the time they leave us. You, know, you could severely grow your kid and make them a stronger person, or you could tear them down. Like that's mm-hmm. amazing. That's a really fantastic thing to do. And then I would say, yeah, let's transfer that to a million other different ways we could do it with a kid. Mm-hmm. And then you could do it to yourself. Like, how yeah. are you talking to yourself? What's your inner voice like? And mm-hmm. these little words that you're talking to yourself a thousand times a day, are you mm-hmm. building yourself up or you're tearing yourself down? That's yeah. Fun. I love it, man. I love this kind of stuff. I, I love I love like life's journey, you know, sometimes I, there's so much to learn and there's, there's so many things that we can do. It's like endless. So just like that, that gets me excited just to know that there's so much more and just finding the joys in life and the joys in parenting that when it gets hard, because it will, you know, we can be well equipped and we can also, you know, learn from our mistakes and, and continue to learn and grow. I just love that. That it's, it's really infinite. Absolutely. That process. Well, thanks, man. Um, I think that's a amazing spot to, to, to wrap this up and end it. Um, it's been a fantastic podcast. I, I like to leave it open-ended because I like to see where it goes. And I love mm-hmm. that we went on a self-development journey and talking about rebounding and rehabilitating ourselves because there's so many guys out there who can benefit mm-hmm. from the th- from your story. And, you know, a lot of times when you're in that situation, you think that you're alone. You think that you're the only one who's done it and or yes. that you're the only one who's suffering right now. It's like, no, mm-hmm. many other people are going through the same thing. 
and you yeah. can get out of it. So hearing, yes. hearing your story is very, very beneficial. Yeah. And, and that's why I wanted to share my story. And it, that was a battle, the vulnerability of that. And I, I feel a lot of uh, addiction is it, we're told to keep it silent or fear of judgment. Or I just said recently, I put my story out there and some close people to me were like, are you sure you want to do that? Because what if you like drink again? What if you messed up? Like everybody would think you're a failure or this or that. I said, you know what? That's worth the risk because I feel there are so many people that feel like that. And that's why they don't put their story out there. That's why they hold everything in is fear of those mistakes and we need more vulnerability, especially amongst men. You know, we're so naturally going to push things down and, and say, no, 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 I don't want to show weakness. I don't want to show this. I'll just, I'll deal with it myself. You know, that's so natural for us. And when we're vulnerable, you can help so many people, you know, with your vulnerability. So just get out there and, and be vulnerable and, and open up and it, it not only can you help somebody, but it feels a lot better to get that out and to get that off. And, and at the end of the day, you, it's not about other people. It's about you and your mental and your self-awareness and everything that, that, that matters and, and your kids and, and your family and everything. So. Fantastic. I am really glad we did this. you I have a great perspective on fatherhood and, I love talking to people that can see their life in a different perspective in a different light and like how the actions are taking right now affect years mm -hmm. down the road. And, um, uh, the smile the thing that stood out to me was, you know, the, talking about the understanding of, yeah, I smile at my kids, you know, a hundred times a day times 365 days a year times 18 years, that real magic can happen. Um, yep. So thank you for that, man. All right. Yeah. What, Thanks what for having want, me. What do you want people to know or follow you? Um, my website, tireddad.com, socials, we got YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, it's all The Tired Dad. And I recently started a podcast, got a handful of episodes up there, The Tired Dad Podcast, and it's, it's on all the platforms. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. Thank you.